If you've been experiencing vivid dreams during the lockdown period, you're not alone. It's a known phenomenon around the world. I remember having one of the, you know, when the phone, we get the phone alarms and the big kind of COVID message came up and it was telling me to do something really bizarre and stuff. I can't remember what it was now. So many people are struggling to sleep right now during this pandemic. Experts say this is a common problem. We were seeing patients that were coming in reporting issues getting asleep or staying asleep. COVID-19 and lockdowns have messed with our sleep. Weird dreams, not getting enough sleep even though we're at home more, or getting lots of sleep but still feeling exhausted. And, as it turns out, sleep has a role in fighting COVID. Sleep and vaccine efficacy are actually related. We've known for a long time that sleep is tied with our immune system. Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang and today on The Detail, how the pandemic has affected our sleep and how to get more if you're not getting enough. It takes up a third of our lives and I think if we don't um, consider sleep alongside our waking lives, um, things can come pretty unstuck. Dr Rosie Gibson is a senior lecturer at Massey University and leads projects at its sleep-wake research centre. So I studied psychology as an undergrad. Some areas sleep wasn't covered off so much and then I did I actually did my second year of study in, in Canada where sleep was a really primary focus and I did some papers on sleep and dreaming and I think that idea around everything that we do during waking life has an impact on, on our sleep life um, and vice versa so it's a fascinating area and I think it's something that when I talk to community groups about everyone's fascinated because clearly we all we all sleep and we've all got something to say about sleep and when it goes wrong, it can really affect the way we live and, and feel. How has lockdown affected our sleep? Lockdown, I think it's, you know, it's felt a really unique time. There's been lots of rapid changes and stresses. It's not just the individual kind of physiology, but there's also these quite local um there's a mediating context of people who we live and sleep with, but also there are community factors and a broader social context. So when things change in our society, um, that has an impact on our sleep as well. So because sleep doesn't happen independently of our waking life, what we see is when those kind of restrictions have come in with lockdown, that sleep has also been impacted. A lot of what the research is showing in this area is that people have more disruptive sleep, those symptoms of insomnia, Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep have seemed to have increased with lockdown and the reports of more intense or frequent dreaming as well. Potentially sleeping, spending more time in bed, but not necessarily getting as much sleep as they were pre-lockdown. I mean, obviously there's more opportunity to be in bed because we've lost some of those restrictions around needing to go to work or school perhaps at a particular time. So our commitments are kind of peppered across the 24-7 uh, experience so we don't have those allocated periods for um, work and sleep and play necessarily so we're doing a little bit of everything all the time so it means that we do have more opportunity to sleep but sleep may not be as um, satisfactory or people are doing um, things like watching the news or using devices late into the night or perhaps you know some of the activities we're involved with like um drinking alcohol um, and caffeine and so on and the structure of doing all that. But also um, we know that our sleep schedules are very much governed by exposures to things like bright light and physical activity and social interactions. So when those key factors are mucked around with, that can have an impact on the stability of sleep. And international studies are backed up by studies here. 
Last year, the Sleep-Wake Research Centre launched an online survey about sleep prior to and during lockdown. Just over 700 people took part in that. And like other studies, um, we did find people were sort of going to bed later than their pre-lockdown estimates. So, you know, maybe going only about half an hour or so later. People were tending to still get that seven to nine hours of recommended sleep. Um, but their sleep, like I said, their sleep efficiency, so the amount of time they were sleeping versus how much time they spent in bed, the percentage of how efficient their sleep significantly dropped. And using some of our standardised measures, about just over half were kind of defined as what would class as kind of poor sleepers using our standardised questionnaires. And certainly um, about 45% rated their sleep as being worse during lockdown than pre-lockdown. But having said that, 22% reported improvement in sleep as well. So it's not all bad news for sleep. And I think it's the way we interact with those social changes and, and our predisposition and other comorbid health issues and responsibilities that all play a role in how sleep's affected at this time. I know you guys haven't looked into necessarily a study yet for, for this particular lockdown, but would you expect yeah. to see differences? Yeah, it would be it would be interesting to revisit. I think what we see in in the New Zealand data from last year, if we look at it compared to say data from Europe and America, is that although our sleep wasn't great, it doesn't seem to be as severely affected. And certainly, the measures we had around anxiety um, and stress weren't quite as great. And we we could allude that some of that could be down to the reduced risk of disease that we had in our lockdown last year. Elland Road, the home of Leeds United. Before COVID, 35,000 used to pack the stands every weekend. Now that's the number of people being infected with the virus in England every day. Tonight, coronavirus exploding coast to coast. The US adding a million new infections in the last week alone. Other countries, obviously, they have sleep disruptions also were correlated very highly with a very real fear of contracting the disease or um, the symptoms of COVID itself, or having loved ones who were um, impacted. I mean, the lockdown this time, particularly for people in Auckland, has clearly been much, it's been longer, and there is that increased stress now that we know it's, it's Delta and it's potentially here to stay, and we're gearing up to kind of let it in. Although we do have that, the vaccine on board this, this time as well, which we didn't, like. you know, last year, it was a very sudden lockdown and it was a very abrupt change in the way we live. And I think that's why we saw a lot of changes in dream content and so on. You know, that a sudden adjustment to what's going on in waking life. We quite often see this in times of acute trauma and so on. So whereas I think this lockdown, we knew what we were letting ourselves in for. Um, yeah, so it is different. It would be interesting to see. Yeah. And, and just going to the talking about bizarre dreams we've been dreaming more during lockdown what does this mean all over the world people say COVID-19 is invading their dreams and sometimes not in a nice way both people who had good sleep and poor sleep you know had more frequent dreams but it was more the more intense um dreams that were associated with poor sleep studies from overseas have shown that when people were under more stress, they had more frequency of nightmares and so on. And the content of dreams quite often was specifically related to the COVID situation. So it might involve things like PPE, mask wearing, 
uh, fear of contagion or actually things like insects or bugs or disease or yeah unusual stuff part of the reason we think uh, this is occurring is when dreaming plays a really important role in processing emotions and kind of rehearsing waking life a lot of the areas of the brain are reignited during uh, dreaming sleep around memories learning uh, as well as sort of visual and emotional processing so when we have an abrupt change or we go through a traumatic event um, or we're stressed or anxious about something it does these areas of the brain are kind of reignited and some of the content is going to be pretty pretty bizarre um, people are watching especially last year when it was really kicking off you know there was a lot of quite distressing news around the world that we were consuming right up to bedtime kind of providing fodder if you'd like for dreaming so yeah it's, it actually plays quite a useful role in the processing of the situation it's it's kind of um as a side effect of our brains working out this this crazy situation that we were suddenly put into but also because in lockdowns people are less likely to use their alarm clocks and actually they're actually spending more time in bed and it may well be that we're actually just waking more naturally which tends to be from that last phase of dreaming sleep of that REM sleep early in the morning so it may just be that we're more likely to just remember the dream content than had we set an alarm and leapt out of bed to catch the bus to work so there's a few different explanations for why why it could be it can be very distressing if you know you have a lot of waking anxiety and stress and then that's feeding into dream experience as well it does make the feeling quite exhausted by the situation in the daytime right yeah. so so another reason why we might be feeling exhausted <laughs> yeah I mean some people are just feeling daytime sleepiness regardless of how well they're sleeping at night time that's what we seem to find you know another studies found during lockdown is this general fatigue and that some of it people are relating to the potential, you know, feeling bored of the situation they're in, um, not having so much social engagement, and those what we call kind of time time givers or zeit givers for informing good cycles of sleep and wake. So usually, like I said, we're getting these routine exposures to things like bright lights and social interaction and physical activity. That does help us to feel more alert and active during waking hours, and therefore nice you know more sleepy when it comes to nighttime it helps to really inform uh our hormones and so on to help us fall asleep at nighttime and be alert during the daytime so if we're confined to our homes and you know not take care of those waking behaviors that will have an influence on how sleepy we feel have you had any weird dreams during lockdown so far <laughs> I did have a few. I had one on like the third, really close up, not this round, but last year I certainly had. I remember having one of the, you know, when the phone, we get the phone alarms and the big kind of COVID message came up and it was telling me to do something really bizarre and stuff. I can't remember what it was now. But yeah, I have had a few myself. And again, things like uh, from, about my family, uh, my, most of my family are in the UK. So again, I think there's this dreaming of being separated from people and not being able to rescue them so they, I've had dreams where yeah like a family member's been in distress and I can't reach them and things like that and I think again that's quite a common kind of dream content that people are having it's yeah. a really distressing kind of dream <laughs> yeah and it's it's our reality and I think again I'm fortunate that I you know nothing drastic has happened with my family but I'm um, you know friends and colleagues have had situations where family members have got sick or affected by COVID and you can't you can't reach them and it's just that 
again, maybe the brain ticking over and processing like this is the situation at the moment. And it, but it does, although the dream can be distressing, mm. that is already having some kind of, you know, it can be kind of a positive impact and that, unless it's real distressing nightmare kind of situation and it's recurring. Yeah. And when it comes to sleep in a COVID world, well, a good night's rest could play a bigger role in protecting us from the pandemic than you think. We already know that sleep's really important for healing. It's also linked in with immune functions. So maintaining healthy sleep, we know, plays an important role for physical and mental health. There has been studies, I'm not sure about with the COVID vaccine, but certainly um, a small study looking at the hepatitis vaccine it was on young men found that if they were deprived of sleep the night after having a vaccine their immune response was significantly less than those who had a a full night's sleep after that vaccine and they found that their immune response so they measured their hormone levels and so on as well as their sleep using uh, overnight EEG sleep study that they found that even a year a year later that their immune response was still lower for those who hadn't had sleep the night after vaccine. So it really gives us that kind of evidence that sleep has a really important role for kind of immunological memory, they call it. So then it seems to be around that kind of slow way sleep. The deep sleep seems to have a really important process for learning and strengthening our immune systems. Sleep is something most of us strive to get right, and while some have mastered it, others find themselves in a constant state of tiredness. For some reason, I have trouble sleeping. Even though I am chronically exhausted, I usually get about four hours of sleep per night. I work you know, on adrenaline because I'm walking and talking all day, so you just manage, you just get on. Um, but you sit down and it's like a deflated balloon, and you know, it's just, it, you manage during the day, it's just afterwards. Were New Zealanders bad at sleep prior to lockdown? Um, the studies that members of our group and others have conducted in New Zealand prior, about 20 to 30% of New Zealanders will report poor sleep or symptoms of insomnia. Similarly, you know, things like sleep duration, most of us are getting between that seven and nine hours, but there are maybe 30 or 40% who are reporting getting less than optimal sleep, and a few who are getting excessive sleep and we know that when people are having very short sleep or very long sleep that that has implications for their physical as well as mental health so people are more likely to maybe have cardiovascular um, disease diabetes depression anxiety and so on quite often linked in with being having poor sleep or having excessively short or long sleep yeah so we we we're on a par um with other countries that way you know sort of 20 to 30 percent of people reporting a sleep problem for a lot of people especially those who are experiencing insomnia they always report as not being able to sleep because of the anxious thoughts that they're having so what are some things that we can do to get our brain to relax (laughs) yeah it's tricky I think especially in this time, but we would recommend not using things like sleeping medications unless we really, really need to. Usually the GPs will recommend to use them maybe for a couple of weeks. So when we're in an acute period of change and sleep's chronically affected, you know, for example, if we were going through a bereavement or a very stressful house or job move or, yeah, there's a a real, you can 
see the link between you know what's what's causing the the issue and you can't really manage that situation at that time but a long-term use of sleeping medications can isn't advised because they don't the, the sleep they provide isn't quite the same as true sleep so it actually limits the functions of what you know like the slow wave sleep the deep sleep isn't as rich as it would be if we were sleeping without sleeping medications and they can leave us waking very groggy um so especially if some people you know if they're hopping up at night time to use a toilet and so on and they've been taking sleeping medications that can increase risk of falls and things like that or if we're hopping in the car in the morning and um, it can take a really long time for us to process sleeping medications and we tend to find people become dependent on them and need uh, to increase their dose to get the same effect so it's usually best to think about the factors which are affecting our sleep just some of those what we call sleep hygiene behaviors around keeping the bedroom a quiet space suitable temperature not too noisy as well as limiting things like the devices caffeine and alcohol unfortunately uh, you know they really play um, havoc with our sleep and i think what we've seen in lockdown across the world i think is a, an increase in drinking alcohol um, during lockdowns or the displacement of it across across the whole week and so alcohol before sleep can really um, although we feel like it can help us fall asleep it can interfere with the quality of sleep once we're in there and that again can play a role in dreaming sleep it tends to suppress REM sleep at the beginning of the night but then because our body really likes REM sleep it's actually really important to help us to process things like um, waking experiences and forming memories and so it will come back with a bit of a vengeance and we're more likely to have kind of strange dreams. Dr Rosie Gibson says keeping the bedroom a sleep safe zone can also help. That means leaving work out of it and only using the bedroom for sleeping or being intimate with a partner. As for relaxation techniques... There's all sorts of tactics people have around mindfulness. Things like writing down the things that are concerning you to kind of seg- segment them or take them out of the out of the brain to keep rather than keeping them whirring around and around to actually write them down on a piece of paper and kind of put that aside and you can sort of tell yourself that you've dealt with that now. Other people talk about relaxing their body from their toes up and so on. But certainly there's if you're suffering with a chronic sleep problem, there are sort of um, cognitive behaviour therapy advisors out there who can sort of help with that and we've got some resources actually on our sleep wake research center website we've got resources that are particularly focusing on different groups and how they can learn about and manage their sleep during uh, the covid situation and as for weird sleep remedies there's a lot of stuff on the market that hasn't necessarily been assessed you know it's not necessarily validated um and people will try all sorts of things it's really a commercialization of sleeping isn't it it's quite an interesting area at the moment where we're seeing these products out there that aren't necessarily going to help with our sleep I think the tracking of sleep is an interesting one because we're more and more aware of how much we think we've been sleeping or and the quality of sleep but what we do with that information these kind of devices can't necessarily help us change that some of the crazy things I mean people talked about like drinking lettuce water um there's the old old-fashioned kind of warm milk and honey before before bed there's some scientific evidence in in these but they're not it's very it's usually mixed results for sure and it usually comes down to the personal preferences you know some people like to have lavender on their pillow other people will you know only sleep with certain bed sheets there's no one 
set rule of if you're not sleeping, try this. But there's certainly if people find that it improves their sleep and there's let no, you know, limited risk to trying it, um, then it is worth a try. And I think that's where the difference is there with those pharmaceutical interventions is if you're sort of trying different sleeping medications and so on that you can actually, that can be detrimental to our sleep or, you know, the, the other, other functions we have. I think that increasingly we're living in this 24-hour society where there are lots of factors which can impact on our sleep. And so it's not just having a sleep disorder per se, but it's actually all these other factors coming in which can influence the dimensions of sleep, whether it's how long we sleep, the time of day we're sleeping, or just feeling satisfied with our sleep. You know, maybe this is more of a a lofty kind of thought, but um, if we're thinking hundreds of years ago, they didn't have electricity, they didn't have the um, tools in place to be able to keep everything light enough to stay up later. Yeah. And certainly we're living in a more, yeah, like I say, more 24-7 society. And certainly um, when we look back historically, the way people were sleeping pre, pre-industrialisation, like you say, they would be more likely to be going to bed when the sun went down and getting out when the sun rises and we don't have so much, so anything else really influencing. We've just got ourselves and our you know, immediate families and communities that might require attention during the night time. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly now we've got media 24-7, got family messaging as potentially from around, you know, the other side of the world. We've got Netflix, we've got all sorts of things that are competing really with our, with our time. And the sleep is one of those things that's just quite easy to sacrifice, unfortunately, to make way for things that we would prefer to be doing. But yes, it can lead to us developing quite unhealthy sleep habits and down the line, potentially a chronic sleep condition so I think during lockdown although some people have found it quite nice having that luxury of doing things when we want to it can lead to sort of some unhealthy sleep habits that's it for today I'm Jessie Chang the detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air and is a joint newsroom and RNZ production you can download us free to your mobile phone every day on any podcast platform Adrian Holley engineered this episode Alexia Russell produced it and thanks to Dr Rosie Gibson Matewa. Wa